This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. A caregiver's story. National Caregiver Day is coming up, but caregivers were left out of this week's Ontario budget. And celebrating Passover and Easter amid the pandemic for the second year. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The cost of elder care in Canada is expected to double by 2031 as baby boomers turn 75. A new study by the Canadian Medical Association predicts the cost will rise from $30 billion to close to $60 billion a year. It's due to the added strain on the system as the oldest of the boomers move into age groups associated with higher care needs. The report estimates over 600,000 will seek long-term care in 20. 31 almost double the number in 2019 but the study notes a downward trend in the use of long-term care by seniors and in fact the CMA says 37,000 could be diverted in a decade making better use of home care as boomers advocate to age in place A game-changing treatment for type 2 diabetes is showing promise in clinical trials. The new drug, basal insulin FC, given just once a week, appears to be just as effective at controlling blood sugar as a daily shot. Researchers at the University of North Carolina say there are many benefits to the new drug. More people will be willing to comply with the treatment, and it's a better option for seniors with memory difficulties who may forget to take their daily shot. While the Eli Lilly drug is in the early research stages, it could hit the market by 2023. A 75-year-old Asian woman who beat up her attacker last week is donating the nearly $1 million raised for her on GoFundMe. Zhao Zhenji was standing at an intersection last Wednesday when a white man ran up and without provocation allegedly punched her in the face. In the week that followed the attack, nearly a $1 million U.S. has been donated to help Xi with her medical expenses, but she isn't keeping it. The San Francisco grandmother and her family are donating all of it to the Asian American and Pacific Islander community that fights anti-Asian racism, which has been on the rise amid the pandemic. Fax machines will soon join dinosaurs into extinction, at least in government offices. Ontario is finally pulling the plug on the obsolete relics that are still found inside government. Finance Minister Peter Bethlen-Falvey says it's time to cut the cord, and he's directing the public service to phase out its 1,500 traditional phone fax lines by the end of the year. 
No word on when they may be removed from doctors' offices. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This week's Ontario budget doubled the child benefit for parents. But for those caring for their elders, there was nothing, despite the increased financial burdens caused by COVID-19. Amy Roberto cares for her mother, Julieta Pante, and she shared the struggles of the last year. I'm currently uh, caregiving for my mother, who is 82 years old. Uh, She is living with um, severe dementia now. And on top of that, I have my two teenage uh, children that that are under my wing as well. So I'm in the sandwich generation. Um, On top of that, I do work in HR with a um, construction company. So I'm balancing all of that at the same time. How were you managing all of this in the time before and and what happened when COVID hit? Before COVID, the pandemic began, my mom was getting um, 14 hours community service from um, where the PSWs were coming in. She, um, you know, they would come in every day or every other day to provide my mom with her daily needs like laundry, uh, shower, exercises. Then when the pandemic began, all of that had to stop because we were just so worried about any sort of contact with the PSWs who were also working at other facilities as well. So we kind of wanted to just make sure that she wasn't getting any of, you know, any sort of contact because I didn't have any help um, and I was, I'm working in an essential service. I had to be at work. So I couldn't, I couldn't really, I had to balance trying to take care of my mom and work along with my family at the same time. So it was, uh, it was quite strenuous. How is the, the rest of your family adjusted to this? It's been tough. Uh, well, yeah, it was tough because we all had to pull up our socks pretty much um, where I did have to depend a lot on my kids to take on um, a lot of the responsibilities that the PSWs were do, uh, were doing, uh, such as giving my mom her meals, um, taking her out for walks, putting her into putting her to bed. So it took quite a toll on the kids because they were balancing school as well. And along with my husband, he with his career, even though he was staying at home, he would like he was working from home. He would still have to come down and check up on my mom and also provide her with her meals. What do you take away from the year and how is your mom doing? Um, you know what? It's the, the year has brought me a lot of resilience. My mom, it's, it's made me stronger for my own self care. I, I um, hired my own private caregiver who has been a godsend basically. And she's, she's, been with my she's with my mom 24/7 which has helped all around in our family um and my mom's doing a lot better now she's um she's understanding it, understanding the situation a little bit better and the caregiver that's with us has given us a lot more time to spend with my mom on a family sort of basis and not on a caregiving sort of uh 
situation. I, I would imagine that's fantastic. I would also imagine that's very expensive. It's very expensive. And so that's another concern that, you know, that I have only because, you know, with whatever my mom is receiving from our government, it's not enough to to pay for the living caregiver, which has had which has put an extra expense on my end. Most caregivers end up paying for the care for the people they're caring for. What would you like to see help from government? I would, yeah, no, definitely. I would love to see a little bit more support from the government um, financially. I, the caregiver that caregiving or private caregivers for our family just runs up to 20, I would say about $2,500 a month. Wow. Yeah. Um, $2,500 a month. And right now my mom's only getting $1,500 a month. So I still have to, you know, help my mom financially in that sense. I would love for the government to see that. I don't know if they realize how, how expensive it is. Um, so if they, if there were a way for them to help us out financially, um, that would be, that would be great. (laughs) Okay, Amy, thank you so much for doing this. Okay, thank you so much, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was family caregiver Amy Roberto. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, celebrating a second pandemic Passover and Easter. I'll talk with a rabbi and a priest. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. And so step one, thou shalt designate a nerd to be the person actually operating the Zoom. That's a clip from online instructions last year advising Jews on how to gather online to celebrate the Passover Seder. By now, it's old hat. The internet is full of pandemic Passover memes and ebook offers. But for the second year, the community won't be able to gather around crowded family tables. And next weekend, churches will only be able to accommodate a small number of worshipers to celebrate Easter. I reached Rabbi David Seed of the Adath Israel Congregation and Father Michael McGorty of St. Peter's Parish. I'm going to start with Rabbi Seed. Tonight, Jews will celebrate the second Passover Seder of the year and the second year of a pandemic Passover where most people will be gathering over Zoom. What are the implications of that? Uh, Last year, everything was just so, not that it's not challenging now, but it was particularly challenging last year because we had no guidelines, no roadmap which to think about how we might be able to observe and celebrate Passover. After we've had one opportunity to do so and a year of trying to see how creative we could be, and I think we've done a wonderful job in doing so, um, we're doing it for the second year. But my 
hope and prayer when I speak to uh, many people in my congregation and others is that next year will be different and that we will be able to share Passover together with family and friends in, in person and not just over Zoom. Father McGorty, last year, if memory serves, there were no in-person church services. This year, you can have 15% capacity at your church, which is St. Peter's Parish. Yes, and that's a, a, a wonderful change. But I also think, just echoing a little bit of what Rabbi C. said there, there's a whole different spirit about this coming year. Last year, if I can use uh, sort of the image from Exodus, we were just starting our journey in the desert, and none of us knew what the year would bring. There was no idea that uh, there might be an end in sight. I think people really had their foundation shaken, and existentially, they just didn't know, like, was this the beginning of the end, or what would the next year bring? And so many wonderful people have come together to support one another in all of our communities. We've somehow surmounted what many of us thought was going to be impossible. And now it's as though the promised land is actually in sight. Uh, we're starting to look at vaccinations. As, as Rabbi C. talks about the idea of next year, the celebration being what it used to be. I think this is a different kind of Easter or a different kind of Passover in that many of us, I think, have been forced to look deeper over this past year to really examine and wonder about the things that are really important to us. And I kind of feel like this is really Easter coming up in the sense that we're really going to celebrate that we made it through this to some degree and and the, the end is in sight. How many people would you normally have on an Easter in your church and how many are you going to have this year? Our church can normally seat about 770 And we would have probably about 600 at the Easter Masses. This year, we will have a capacity of about 90, and we'll have additional services in order to try to uh, accommodate the larger numbers. But it, it will be reduced. I'd like to remember the losses, Father McGorty. I'm sure, like everyone else, you've lost congregants. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, certainly going into Easter, for us, that's the celebration of the resurrection and eternal life. And we're remembering a lot of very uh, prominent people and active who passed away during the past year. We have been able to gather for very small funerals of less than 10 people, and that in itself has helped. The live streaming and, and different ways of including people in the celebration who can't actually be in the building has helped quite a bit. And I know that we will be having celebrations when we're able to kind of return to normal for many people who we were not able to celebrate uh, their resurrection at the actual time of their death. Rabbi Seed, what's the magnitude of the losses you sustained in your congregation, and how have you been dealing with that as a spiritual leader? We've had you know, a few people who've passed away um, because of COVID, particularly older members, some who have been in um, long-term care facilities. But what has impacted so, so many people is the fact that we are limited in the numbers of people who can come together for a funeral. And it's not just that. 
mean, now the cemeteries that are in York, we're allowed to have 20 people. So it's better than the 10 originally. 20 is difficult, but it's also just um, did a funeral the other day where some of the family members live in the States and they couldn't be there to be there for their father's funeral. At least we have the technology to bring people together through Zoom. So we did that. Father Michael, do you think that the fact that uh, it's hard to get to services and these things are missing from people's lives, you know, the 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 good celebrations as well as the sad ones, uh, do you think that will ignite a renewed interest in the church? Well, it certainly has this year. I, we're baptizing almost 10 people this year. We normally do about three or four, and the number of inquiries I've had from people who are looking to get connected, and I think have really been shaken by this past experience about the fragility of life and learning how precious the gift of life is, they are looking for a deeper meaning and and a desire to kind of find that in a spiritual response. Rabbi Seed, have you seen that as well? Yes. Uh, again, through the medium of, of live stream and Zoom, we see more people um, who want to engage with us in, uh, in various ways who weren't doing so in, in, in the past, but they are looking for renewed hope and renewed meaning. And I think that moving forward, um, all of this will pretend well for the uh, for the future and for the community. Thank you so much, uh, Father Michael McGorty, Rabbi David Seed. Happy Passover, Happy Easter. Happy Passover, Happy Easter. Happy best to everybody. We should all just be safe and be well. That was Rabbi David Seed and Father Michael McGorty. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Weekend Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.